This episode is powered by Safety FM. To the Safety Consultant Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Primus. It's the podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant and a bunch of other stuff, right? We go through some OSHA compliance issues. We go through just about anything that's EHS related. Come on. Oh, well, if you're welcome back. Last week we got part one of the Stan Smiley interview. You guys are going to have a blast with part two, especially those of you that are now learning a lot about the oil and gas field. Also, we've learned a lot about the characteristics of hydrogen sulfide. So those of you that have that exposure, this interview probably really opened up your eyes. If you were listening to this interview part two before you heard part one I would encourage you to go ahead and listen to part one first well you need that gotta get the part one first right oh but before we get into part two just want to make sure that you guys are going to do the basics like (laughs) subscribe and go ahead and share this with a friend statistically we know that most people will listen to the podcast but will not subscribe to the podcast so i need to change that behavior so those of you that are in behavioral safety what do i need to do to make sure that i monitor this behavior and get this behavior to change and get you to like (laughs) and subscribe to this podcast uh, I guess I need a reward system, right? Uh, so I'm going to have to think of a reward system uh, so that we could uh, get some behavioral uh, modification. <laughs> uh, I'm just messing with you guys. But thank you. Thank you all for uh, being part of the show. And um, I was meaning to do this last week and I did not yet. So I am going to do it like literally right now. So what it is that I am doing in the background is I'm going to pull up the demographics for the show just so I can let you guys know a little bit about our listeners. So I'm going to do this on a global setting. So currently, 60% of my listeners, you are in the U.S. A 16% is in South Africa. The Netherlands, you are 12%. Singapore, you guys are 3% of my listeners. Nigeria, you're at 1.8% of my listeners right now. Canada, you're at 1.45%. Australia, you're just a tad bit under 1%. And here are the people that are, uh, well, let's put in Great Britain, you are also just over, you're you're like at 0.7% of my listeners. So everyone else is going to be below a half of my listeners, which is fine. That means you get some opportunity to share the show with your friends. So Japan, Spain, France, uh, Saudi Arabia, India, New Zealand, Pakistan, Port, uh, Poland, Portugal, Bahamas, Germany, Chile, and United Arab Emirates. 
So those are other areas that people are listening to this show. Thank you all for listening to this show. And um, you're going to help me be more global. That's why uh, the event that me and Stan Smiley were working on that I told you about, you you listened to the last episode, you're listening to it, this current part two. So your chances are you're aware that we're going to be doing a hydrogen sulfide instructor development course, a train the trainer course. Uh, So I am actually going to be a student of this one. I'm just hosting the event with my brother at Primus Global Media. And together, uh, I am just truly going to learn as much as the rest of you on this event. It's going to be February 15th, 16th, and 17th. For more information, go to primus.training. And the last name, my spelling is P-R-I-M-U-S. So primus.training. And then if you do have a problem with the extension dot training, uh, then let's get you to do primuswebinar.com. So primuswebinar.com, that is going to actually be a little bit uh, better for you if you can't get to the dot training extension. All right. And that's going to get you on this list that I have currently going to see interest, especially those of you that are international. And uh, this is going to be 100% online. So you're going to be able to do the three days, uh, two and a half to three days is what uh, Stan says. Uh, So that's what uh, we're going to be going for. And it is an instructor development course. So you're going to learn how to uh, train adults and everything else as well. So... We are going to get to part two of this wonderful interview that I have with Stan Smiley. Uh, He is a H2S master certificate holding (laughs) trainer. And honestly, I'm, I'm learning why he is a master trainer. Just truly, this conversation was so enlightening to me that I'm excited about being a student in his class coming up uh, February 15th, 16th, and 17th. All right. I am not going to get back on. Um, Truly, I'm going to let this uh, episode ride. So you guys are going to enjoy like I am. Go get them. Wow. I love the PPE for your brain being your biggest PPE. I wrote that one down. You can hear my, my, me and my papers. I love that one. That is awesome. Another one that's really good. And it goes to what, you know, you've heard so many people when you, when you do an investigation, well, I need my job. I don't want to get fired. One guy on a, a company that I was managing up on the red floor. Rig floors, 80, 90, 100 foot in the air. Uh, and if you're in a lightning storm, it's a it's a grounding rod. And mm-hmm. so I told him, you get off the rig floor, get in the company trucks and sit there and wait on the weather to pass. And he said, well, one of the company men tells me to get up there. I said, tell him to jam it and have him call me. And he said, well, what if I get fired? And I asked him, I said, how, son, how old are you? And he said, I think it was 23. I said, were you working somewhere before you came here? Yep. I said, well, if you're smart, you're going to be working somewhere else. But if you're stupid and you're up there on that rig floor and it gets hit with lightning and you get energized, 
you ain't working anywhere. Mm-hmm. So the the safety council has a deal, and if you look it up on the internet, and it's using sugar tablets, saccharin. They don't hardly sell saccharin anymore, but you can get sugar substitute substitute tablets. You get three hundred of them, and you put them in. I put them in a little Tupperware deal, and I always carry my money in a money clip. It's in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And I told them, guys, I said, guys, let me ask you something. How many of y'all would like to have this? And I hold my money up. And when I do it, I don't know how much is in there. Uh, and you'll have several people holding their hand up. And I said, all right, now I'm going to tell you that I know there's 300 tablets in there because I've counted them. I also know that these tablets now have been treated with a chemical in 29 out of the 3,000, I mean 300, these tablets will make you ill up to deathly ill. One of them will kill you immediately. Now, how many of y'all are willing to take the tablet that you've taken and eat it? All of a sudden, you know, people are wanting to hand them back. And so I take them back up. And I tell them, I say, guys, what you need to understand is you just told yourself what your life is worth, what the shortcuts can cost you, and are you willing to take a shortcut in a very dangerous situation for your money or the job? Yeah. Wow. You know, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things, and I use a lot of that when I train. Huh. You've got to have, you got to make people take it to own. you got to give them value. I've got a deal here, you know, I've got a real passion and I a lot of difference between safety people and safety professionals. This one here, it says, today was just a typical day at work. At work on time, I did what I had to do, so I said what I had to say and I left on time. I got home, except somewhere within the six million work sites and 93 million American workers, 17 people were killed by traumatic injury. 137 died of occupationally related illnesses. 17,138 of them were injured. The U.S. economic cost for this, over $110 billion. (coughs) Cost to friends and family, immeasurable. Yeah. All because it was a typical day. So what did you do? as a safety representative to make it any different. Hmm. Great. Uh, man, I have to, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Yeah, I'll share that with you. I'll send it to you in an email. Yeah. I, uh, I was in a presentation. They had a guy there in the East Texas is uh, known for having backwoods, backward people. And this guy sounded to me like an East Texas evangelist that was screaming and doing all kinds of stuff. And I don't like that. Yeah. But I said, listen, because the people that were having him put it on were friends, and we had a pretty close working relationship. It was a client. But he said something that stuck with me. He said, do the right thing at the right time and be serious about it. A lot of depth there if you think about it. Uh, 
how many times has a safety professional, or probably a safety person, been put in a position by upper management or a client to supersede procedure or overlook something that could cause a fatality or serious injury? I tell people when I talk to people that are in the safety world, especially fairly new, if you're in it for the right reason, you're going to find a time where you have to decide, is is your job more important than the person's life that you're responsible for? And it's, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tell people, you, if you're responsible or feel that way for a fatality, that impacts you or your company, you'll never find a pillow comfortable enough to sleep on. Wow. Hey, I had a question, uh, two questions. One, uh, in your experience with um, uh, all the uh, international um, gas exploration and everything, and and, um, I'm also a dual citizen for uh, Guyana, and they are now really finding all kinds of oil. What impact is that going to happen to that country? Um, when I took my master trainer course, it's a week long. Frank Perry did it. was up in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. Learned what Rouse grocery stores were like because they sell excellent fresh seafood. Oh, yes. But it was, it was extremely educational. About a third of the class was from the Middle East. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm kind of awestruck that they would travel that far for the training. And they told us that the Middle East will regularly be under breathing air for up to four days at a stretch because they've hit a really strong hydrogen sulfide area. And they said the first thing they teach you when you get over there you do not want to kill a Bedouin who is some of their nomadic people or a camel. And so I asked them, I said, how many SCBAs do you have on site? And they said, normally we'll have 60. Wow. Uh, are you kidding me? No. Normally, it's not, a normal drilling location here in the States is going to have six. Yeah. They're going to have yeah, they're going to have two at the prevailing north wind. They're going to have two at the prevailing south wind. They're going to have one with a company man and one with a pusher. And so you know they're not going to give you theirs. And if the wind's out of the north, that means that the two at the south, they're dead because you, you're going to get killed going there. So what is the real need on a drilling rig? And I've had a guy he said, you know, do you have a respiratory protection program? And this is a guy that's in one of the really big oil field companies in their ivory tower. And he's corporate. And I said, no, sir, we don't. He said, you don't? I said, no, sir, we don't. He said, do you understand H2S? I said, yes, sir, I do. What do you want to know? And he said, I told him, I said, you know, let's stop right here. And I'm going to ask you a few questions. He said, all right. And I said, how many SCBAs do you have on site? And he told me the same thing I just told you. All right. Now, how many people live on a rig location? I'm not talking about the 
the vendors that come in to pick up stuff or to clean the room. I'm not talking about any of that. Yeah. And it's 25 to 27. I said, all right, so you've got 27 people out there, and you've got five of my people out there. That's 32. And you have two H2S monitors that are available. I mean, uh, SCBAs. And he said, well, we have escape packs. And I said, that's right, you do. You have 10 of them. But I'm going to guarantee you that none of my people know where they are. And the real personnel have got their hand on it as soon as an alarm goes off. And so what is the real need? The respiratory protection program says that you have to put your people through all of the training and do the deal if you expect them, expect to wear a tight-fitting seal respirator. And I told them, they, they don't have one. You're not going to give them one. So why am I doing this? As well as going to another subject. Hmm. Um, but you know, the people couldn't get over, the people from the Middle East, that we only had six SCBAs on site. And so, it, have you ever heard the term firefly? Uh, no. Fireflies above you, we catch when we're kids and put in a bottle and, and stare at amazement, isn't it? But in the Middle East, firefly is actually like napalm, and they pull it, or propel it, launch it to the rig if they need to shut it in and they can't get to it, and it burns it down. Those are fireflies. Wow. And I learned that in that. There's, there's so much, you know, that if you just get out, and rub shoulders with folks. You can learn a lot of stuff if you're willing. Oh, yeah. Uh, what about the, the Z390 uh, standard? I know that you, you've, and that's the standard for, uh, for, for training for H2S, for those of you that are listening and not sure. Uh, that's the standard that you do when you do the train-to-trainer classes, right? That's correct. And, you know, you if you get on the Internet, you get on Google and put H2S training, you will find all kinds of stuff in there, and it's rather troublesome. First of all, there is no specific standard for hydrogen sulfide. We come at you with uh, confined space, with air uh, uh, quality, uh, the general duty clause, but there is no specific standard for hydrogen sulfide. A person to train H2S does not need to be certified. Really? But a, yeah, a company that understands what a lawyer will do if they're not want their people certified. So how do you go about getting yourself certified? And obviously, if you're going to spend the money, you want to get the most <laughs> in-depth and the, the method of training that the people are going to hone the measuring stick whenever it comes time for litigation. And that's the ANSI Z390. Uh, the ANSI Z390 to be a, a trainer. I do instructor development is what it's called. It's train a trainer for hydrogen sulfide. And I can go through that training with a knowledgeable group that don't ask a lot of questions in two days. But it's going to normally take me anywhere from two to three days, depending on the crowd or the class. I don't show videos. Uh, most people 
in the training sessions with videos. And my my thoughts are, if you show a lot of videos, it's because you don't know your material. Yeah, I can people I can people's attention without showing a video. There's one that a uh, a company came out with. And it was really popular in 2015. And I watched it, and it, it was confusing. I found value in it, but it's because I have a pretty substantial background on the subject. And so I went to a client safety meeting, and the operating company showed it. And so I'm sitting back, and I'm watching people. And those people were just as confused as I was. And pretty soon, they're not paying attention. And so I ended up objecting. And the guy that provided it was pretty strong. And Frank Perry told me, he says, Stan, you're, you're committing professional suicide. You know, I really don't care. I really don't. Because if you're going to train people and they're not going to walk out with the information and they get killed, that's not worth that to me. Yeah. Uh, and so I was a conscientious objector. And the man called me and uh, was rather abrupt. And he told me, he said, you know, I, I put this together for a training uh, tool and I don't go out there and make money like you do by doing the training I said well you know okay I don't have a problem with that but that doesn't change the problem and then I find out that the man actually was a contract safety professional and made seven million dollars of working with that company for four years so you know don't come at me with money with it falling out of your pockets. Uh, but the bottom line is, what are you willing to accept? What is your company willing to accept when they have somebody provide the training and they may have to defend it in a court of law? Wow. Is it strong to withstand the fire? When I sit on a drilling rig out in Artesia, New Mexico, it's the first safety person they had ever had on their rig. And the drilling company, it was 90% of them had those machines you have to blow in to be able to start your truck. Uh, it's, a, it's a really unique world in New Mexico. And I asked them, I said, have you, have you been trained on H2S? Oh, yeah. I said, well, what kind of training did you get? Well, we went over here to Hobbs and... Uh, we went to a session in there, and they had a really good-looking girl in there that had tight breeches on, and she showed us this thing for about 15 minutes on the on the computer, and then handed us the test, and then we went through the test, and she answered it for us. Wow. I said, so what did you learn? And, and you know, I use that in my teaching, and I tell them, you know, Tide Bridges got me in a whole lot more trouble than it did keeping me alive, I tell you. So, you know, that's not what out there training your employees. Wow. That's just such a lack of integrity. There's a lot of it. And and that goes to safety people 
instead of safety professionals. I was at a client safety meeting, and a man got up there and did a presentation on hydrogen sulfide. When that happens, my ears perk up, and I really pay attention. And he said some things that I couldn't handle. And so I let him get done with it because I'm not going to embarrass somebody by telling them they're stupid or a liar with the presentation that they're doing in front of the whole. And I let people filter on out, and I went over there, and I asked him, I said, you know, I I heard your presentation, and you said a couple of things. I I wish you could clarify for me. And he said, all right. And so I asked him, he said, well, yeah. I said, well, where did you get that? He said, well, I don't have it with me. And I handed him my card, and I said, my email's there. Just send it to me. He said, I know who you are. I've got a pretty good reputation in the hydrogen sulfide world. And uh, I said, all right. So just send me that email. I haven't gotten it yet. That's been five years ago. And he said, well, how did I do? I said, you're obviously pressed for time. I turned around and walked away. Uh, it's not going to do me any good to try to teach somebody there if they already think they know. Yeah. The lesson in uh, so, futility. Do I know? Oh, that would be a lesson in futility if you keep trying to teach, try to change somebody's mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when getting put in positions as safety people, so safety people are treated like management for a company. You don't get the perks that management does, but you're the buffer between the work people, the, the mid-level, and top management. But you're also a crash dummy. If something goes wrong, especially on a client side, they're going to end up running off the safety guy. Seen it happen I don't know how many times. They're going to save face with a client saying, you know, I don't know why that safety man let that that go on. Uh, we've gotten rid of him, and you won't have that to worry about again. And now the safety guy ended up dying in the crash, and he's out there looking for another job. So it's, you know, the people come to you and think that if I tell the safety guy, he'll fix it. The safety person doesn't have the ability to fix anything other than immediately shut down the job. Yeah. If you do that, you've got to look for another job. But the bottom line is all you can do is give it to top management. It's up to them to evaluate it and see what risks they're willing to take. And if I don't get their attention with that, I let them know I've done my job. I've told you what the hazards are. I've told you what the possibilities are, and now I have documented it in case this comes before a regulatory board. Now, you know, a safety person is to understand, evaluate, and then give it to somebody that can change it, like a competent person. But safety people, safety professionals are not those people. So it's it's a difficult position to be in. I've been up to the corporate ladder. I don't like it because you're asked to allow things to happen that shouldn't. 
and overlooking, mm-hmm. and I've walked away three times. So, you know, it just it, it goes back to what are you willing to stand for? Oh, yes. Wow. Well, thank you so much for everything that you've given. I don't want to take up so much of your time. We've been talking for a while, but you have been, wow. <laughs> I'm just like, I've been writing, I've been making notes, and and um, I'm really excited about uh, the IDC that we want to put together uh, in February. And I know we're, we're getting details, but man, I now it's so funny. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> so learning from you is amazing. Well, and you don't. And you I try to teach people also. There's nothing wrong with being ignorant. There's something wrong with being stupid. Stupid is somebody that knows and decides to overlook it anyway. And those are the people that end up getting hurt. And sometimes the ignorant people. There's a case, if you look at it, in West Texas, Odessa, that happened in 2019, where a young man was killed by hydrogen sulfide working inside of a, a facility. His wife went to check on him. She walked in there, and she was killed. The people that are in charge of that, uh, the facility, the company, have been indicted on federal charges. Wow. Uh, but their their equipment was defective. They had eight different sensing units and warning devices on the perimeter fence. They were either defective or set up in the test mode, which means whoever was in charge of checking them didn't understand their job and walked away and left them in the test mode which means that they're not going to work. There was the one with a flashing light on the gate to tell you don't come in. It didn't work. The man parked his truck, went in there without his H2S monitor. He left it in the truck and was killed. But now his company is probably out of business. The upper management, and those are the people that you need to get with and make them understand how a quality training is going to defend them if something like this happens. You know, we, in the safety world, we're taught we're all going, we're shooting for zero. If you talk to a mathematician, zero does not exist. If you put people in an equation, zero does not exist. Because somebody is going to push the bubble, and they're going to get hurt. How badly they get hurt may have a whole lot to do on what you've done, what you've trained them with, um, and how you run your program. That's that's what's going to keep a company in business. Wow. Well, thank you so much. This has been just phenomenal. And I wrote down a whole bunch of stuff and I'm, I'm, I'm with you with the zero thing. I tell my students all the time that it's a, it's too much pressure for anyone to try to go with goal zero, because what happens if you do that in like your whole year, 2023 goal zero, and then all of a sudden it has something happens on January and what happens the rest of the year? <laughs> It's just not sustainable. Yeah, and you see companies that they have bonuses if if there's no recordables. 
what ends up happening 99 and a half percent of the time is a recordable is not reported because the employee doesn't want to withhold the safety bonuses for the rest of the people. And if they do, and then the rest of the people don't get their bonus, they may carry him out and we called it in the military a blanket party where they throw a blanket over your head and use a, a bar of soap and a sock on your head. But, you know, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that and people don't understand. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, thank you again. And oh, how do people reach you? Is there a, a, a way that you prefer people to reach you if they have some questions related to the interview? You can you can uh, give out my email address, fivestar.stan.smiley at gmail. I have Five Star Safety Consulting, and I'm pretty much retired. So... I, I enjoy talking to people about it. Tell people to feel free. If you have a question, if you have a problem and you'd like for me to help you with a solution, I don't always send an invoice. I, I like to solve problems. I like to keep people alive. Oh, excellent. Well, thank you so much. It's been I a pleasure, have- my friend. I look forward to working with you on this class in February. I've been watching you on the internet for, I guess, close to a year. And I'm impressed with you and your professionalism. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't partner up with anybody if they were any less. No, I appreciate that. We'll make it work for the people because that's uh, anytime I teach or anytime I do anything, I tell my students, I'm here for you. <laughs> you need me, I am here for you. What? Then I give them my personal cell, I give them my email, and I tell them if you need to text me, text me. If you need to call me, call me, but I'm here for you. That's, that's a real rarity, sir. It really is. All right. Thank you. Thank you. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast or broadcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within the past hour are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast or broadcast may be reproduced, stored within a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast or broadcast, Sheldon Primus.